the world has turned into you got to do more for less. And I, that's full circle on this AI stuff, right? We, we have to do that. I have to have a machine that outperforms the people that were doing it when we started in 2013. I have to have that. Otherwise, my business is not going to be future-proof. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back. Let's just another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, we're going to be talking about testing, testing. No, <laughs> the microphone's working fine. Uh, testing your advertising. So how do you know what's working? What's performing? What's moving the sales dial? What audiences are working in Facebook? Are they the same audience that's working in LinkedIn or the same audiences that are working on Instagram or YouTube or Google ads? So uh, we've got a guest who's a specialist in this space and they use machine learning and artificial intelligence to guide your path and guide their client's path to making the right decisions and significantly in, in many cases, significantly lowering the cost of advertising and acquiring a customer. So I'd like to welcome uh, Patrick McKenna to the studio today. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Strike Social. It's a global technology-enabled digital advertising agency based in Chicago. Patrick has more than 30 years experience in business development and technology consulting for major corporations. I'm sure you'll gather that uh, when you listen to the episode. Uh, he co-founded and sold a telecommunications company, uh, WCI in 1996, and then he was recruited to Microsoft as part of a 50-person team to develop the internet, audio, and video industry. So by the end of uh, Patrick's 12-year career at Microsoft, he had developed a Windows Entertainment Division that now employs 40,000 people. So Patrick has spent his career mentoring and investing in startup companies. And in 2013, he founded uh, Strike Social, which was named the number 17 fastest growing private company in the US and in 2017 by Inc. Magazine. So Strike Social develops artificial intelligence or AI powered software and services for digital advertisers across industry verticals with over half the Fortune 500 companies benefiting from his solutions. And some of the clients and the brands that leverage the tools that Patrick's company, Strike Social, offers are companies like Beat, Xbox, Honda, Mattel, Lionsgate, and other large financial institutions. So I'm sure you'll enjoy the discussion. We're going to get a little bit technical, but we'll come back and we'll bring it to back to reality. So how you can take Patrick's knowledge, tools that he used with his company and look to see if there's a fit for you to grow your brand, reduce your advertising cost and move the sales dial. So with that uh, mouthful of information introducing Patrick, I'd like to welcome him to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, welcome to the podcast, Patrick. I'm super excited to talk to somebody who loves sales and marketing and um, someone who's a digital expert in uh, AI. So welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So when we say artificial intelligence, I mean, that raises a lot of connotations to people. So do you want to explain it in your words, what it is that you guys do? Yeah, I mean, I think when you hear AI, it's it's uh, how do I replace human beings? And, and I, I think that if you're not working on that solution, 
then you're, then you're going to be challenged. I mean, the good news is, is that, you know, if your business is growing and, and, and hopefully it is, the artificial intelligence that you're building isn't going to eliminate your employees. In fact, you may need more employees. They may be just shifting in direction, uh, but there's still plenty to do. We, we take a look at when we started building our artificial intelligence, it, it was really to help from by using a machine, help to get rid of uh, repetitive tasks. Like that was like the first piece of it. I just, I, I, I hate repetitive tasks. It's one of those things you wake up and you're like, now I got these things I got to do and here comes a campaign and I've got to click this, 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 and this. And you're doing it over and over and over again every single day. And I think that's how people get really bored doing their job. And so we started there. And then, and then as we started moving down that AI path, we started using it for things like mathematics and optimization and rebudgeting and forecasting and and planning and so we just you just once you get in there and you start building this this system you start to realize that you can automate a lot of things but our but our business hasn't it's not like we lost headcount we because we grew the headcount continued to increase well i mean and looking kind of at the services or at least direction you guys are going I don't know if this is too broad of a question. So, you know, you feel free to push back because we talked about that you, you can get uh, nerdy and deep into the technology side, but you're saying you're using AI for um, gathering intelligence on social platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Pinterest. So how does that work and what does that mean to our listeners? Yeah, we tend to focus on, you know, the main products for us are, are analyzing buying metrics and audience metrics. So, you know, you, you're, you're running campaigns, you're multivariant testing those campaigns in, in, you know, let's say Facebook ad manager, AdWords, or, or, you know, Google's DB 360. And, and you're bringing that in with, uh, with the clean data and, and, and naming convention so that they can be analyzed. And then, and then what you, what we did is we took about five years of data that we had and we were running, you know, globally and, and we brought that into a group of data scientists and we built that team from, you know, one to three really quickly. And what they do is they, they, they program a box and, and they are able to look at things that, you know, the normal, you know, AdWords guru or Facebook guru buyer just, just can't, Right you're taking a look at audiences globally across campaigns and you're looking for similarities between audience groups, say 18 to 24, you know, 44 to, to, to 55, you know, and, and you're starting to look for, Hey, if I'm, if I'm trying to target a group of people and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say that, um, you know, 18 to 54 year olds are interested in, in UFC and, and the 40 year old plus crowd is still interested in the NFL, right? Sure. You, you, you want to target the, the, the 18 to 50, the 18 to 24 year olds. If you go throw NFL in there, you're not going to perform very well, right? They're not, yep. they're not yep. looking at it. So, so you've got to find that similar audience that the 18 to, and it could be 18 to 30, 34, right? That's going to be interested in 
in in that in that type of sport or or that category that fits your brand and you got to be able to make those correlations and so we do that across all the social platforms we help people expand their audiences so that they don't see a diminishing return and and it's not just expanding the audience it's also like finding those interests that actually work for your audience and your brand and it's very very challenging to do uh, on the front end, there's a lot of psychographic planning that goes on most of the time, and we can take care of all of that stuff because we've analyzed what's going on in the buy side. Does that make sense? Kind of makes sense. So just so we get made clear for our audience. So, you know, I'm currently running Facebook and Google ads as an example, and we're yep. running them with an agency and I'm getting some, some analytics and Google analytics and I'm getting some reporting and I'm obviously looking at the back end of our shopping cart and we can see the sales stuff, but that's, that sounds like a pretty high level view, but we don't really have the in-depth um, look to say, Hey, maybe you should move over here. Is that is that what you're what you're saying is that you've got enough outside uh, data and intelligence to to make uh, recommendations that our ad guys aren't going to see? Yeah, and I think I think a, a part of that is is in the setup in the way the platforms are are set up. They're all they're all a, a little bit different, right? So so Facebook Facebook wants you to bucket. Facebook says put all of the stuff in here that you think you know about your customer in terms of audience lookalikes and everything else and ask our computer one or two questions and once we make that sell we'll, we'll and our algorithm learns we're going to continue to go find in our system more customers like that and so what you get is is a score right you get a, a relevant score right yep. get, let's say you get a, a three or a five or, or a seven, the better the score, the more on target you are with the audience within Facebook. But what you don't know is what's behind that score, right? So if I'm, if I'm getting a five, how do I get a seven? And what's behind that seven in the audiences? And so it's better if you're breaking them up a little bit more in Facebook. You don't have to break them up nearly as much in Facebook as you do in, in Google, AdWords or DV. You need to do really extensive multivariate testing within within those those two platforms on the Google side. And what I mean by that is, you need to take every single age group, you and you need to and 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 the demo right male female, yep. yep, and and you need to break it out by interest, topic, keyword, affinity. Every single one of those needs to be a separate campaign, and then you need to go to device, mobile, desktop, tablet. And, and that's the only way that you're going to get the data back that says, hey, I'm on target with this younger crowd and, yep. and middle-aged crowd and older crowd. That's the only way to do it on, on, on Google. It's a, they're, they're two slightly different things. And then what we do to sort of you know, add to that sort of let's call it you know, global social planning piece is you, you, they, they use different words. Um, within their targeting platforms. So let's say music is an interest in, in Google and it, it may be called something different in, in Facebook, right? Um, right, yep. And, and so you, you need to be able to, to map that. Like if I'm doing well in music, what does that mean in Facebook or Snapchat or Pinterest or one of these, uh, one of these other platforms? And so we, we, th that's in the platform too. But to your point, you know, downloading a CSV and saying like, oh, hey, okay, I, uh, 
CSV file is your and the start of your analytics, right? You you download this thing that's basically an Excel spreadsheet, and you start yeah. doing pivot tables. You know what you get out of that data if you haven't broken those things out in the platform is um, very little, right? You're 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 not really sure what specifically worked, and when that with when you don't know specifically what worked on the keyword side or the interest side per age group and you know per device, you you don't know how to keep expanding into that. You know, okay, they're interested in music. Well, what types of music are they interested in, right? And you can go down that rabbit hole really, really far. And especially when you start talking about age groups, right? You got your classic rock, your classical music, and then you've got all the EDM stuff and everything else. So you got to know because that's going to help you across all the other social platforms too. Does that, does that help? It does. Now, do you find that there's diff the different platforms may respond differently? So if you're looking at a, comparing a Facebook audience to a Google audience or to a Pinterest audience, that you can't take the same approach across all platforms, even though you're targeting the same customer avatar? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you try to take what you, let's say you're a, a, a search guru and you try to take that buying in, you know, buying information that you know on search over to Facebook, you're not going to be successful, right? you have to bucket over there. One of the things that, that we talk a lot about in what we see when we analyze someone's Facebook account, we'll see them spend a lot of time in their lookalike audiences, right? So you, you upload an email list and you put it into Facebook, your first party data, and then you say, Facebook, find me people like this. Right, yep. What you'll see is people sit there and, and what's going to happen is at a certain point in time, you've run out of what we call net new. Like you need to be feeding that, that audience pool with new people or the algorithm is going to spin into that audience and your costs are going to go up. And so, you know, they're, 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 they're just very different platforms and, and they do need to be bought completely differently and planned differently, frankly. Well, that's what I'm, that's, you know, I guess it was that my point was that if you don't have a digital tool to do that, the likelihood is that you're going to have your, you know, your creative teams and do one creative and say, okay, here is our, here are our images and our copy for our ads across all platforms you know, uh, execute and then wonder why um, platforms are underproducing or your cost is going up. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were just talking about the AdWords and in the Facebook side, when I think of AdWords, I think of, I think of search and, and Facebook is, you know, very visual, right? You're, you're hitting the nail on the head on the Facebook stuff. One of the best ways to perform better on Facebook is to make sure your creative isn't exhausted at the audience, right? And so you, you need to be, we have tools over here that we look at creative exhaustion. And one of the best ways to perform better in that platform is, is to do a lot of creative swapping. One of the tricks you need to watch out for on Facebook is if you put up a couple pieces of creative in there, Facebook will make a decision really quickly as to which one is performing better. And, and you need to kind of wait a little bit and, and give, give that second piece of creative a little bit more statistical significance because Facebook will pick a winner really fast and you may throw a really nice piece of creative out the door too quickly. So. Oh, that's interesting. I, 
That, that's brand new uh, information to me. Oh, good. Well, that's why I'm on the show, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, surprised to see that you guys have LinkedIn there and Pinterest as well. I mean, that's not what I've, I would have expected when I first dove into your site. I thought you would have hit, you know, kind of the main social platforms because the content requirement for each of those is different. When you start posting Facebook-like content on Instagram, you normally get some pretty quick negative feedback from your audience. Yeah, well, we so we don't do creative, right? So we're no, I understand that. Yep. Yeah, we're an optimization company, and we go work with agencies. And so when we get a plan from from an agency, it'll have a budget spread across most of social, right? LinkedIn's typically fairly small. I mean, the big ones are Facebook, Instagram, and and Google, right? The rest of the guys are are kind of battling it out a little bit. Pinterest is actually is actually their their ads manager has gotten a lot better. And that's kind of the life cycle of these platforms, right? Like at first, Facebook wasn't very good. And now they've become really good. In fact, I've seen more budget going to Facebook these days than going to Google search and YouTube. So it's interesting to see how, how these platforms evolve over time. Snapchat's got some work to do, I think. So. Well, it's funny because I still hear people say, oh, Facebook advertising doesn't work. That's not true. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. And, and you hear guys like Gary V going, no, it didn't work for you, which is a totally different conversation. So how did you guys scale and build your company so quickly? I mean, you're obviously in the data business, so it's fair to assume that you took your own advice to grow your business. So do you want to share how you leverage what, you know, how you grew your own brand? Yeah, sure. I mean, we we looked at the market and we looked at what was going, you know, YouTube was sort of the the only place to do video on the internet at the time, right? It was it was early in there and and we we got started in March of 2013. And you know, what we noticed is is that we could perform really well doing that multivariant testing strategy in the platform. And one of the things that I think really propelled us to grow faster than the others is we modeled our business off of a, off of a flat margin and we sold it transparently. And my model and motto was, if I can't allow my customer to see what I'm doing, then I don't have a business, right? Like I should have enough secret sauce on the back end that... I'm confident that my customer couldn't just go unplug us and perform the way we perform. And that's how we went to market. The way, the way that other people were doing it was, we're going to run the ads in our account and you don't get to see anything but a final report. And what we said was, you can sit in our account, you can watch exactly what we're doing, we don't care, and we're going to deliver it to you in a completely transparent way. Here's your report. Here's how much we charged. And Doug, as, as crazy as that sounds, maybe now that was not happening at all in the early days. And, and so we were on a trend about transparency very early on before all the transparency ANA stuff really hit the market. And so we were just in front of it. And that's what really, really helped us grow. Does that, do you understand the, 
that yeah I do yeah I do remember that I remember watching these platforms come out saying hey if you want to run you know Google Ads and Bing and Yahoo and whatever the other uh, flavors of the day were you need to sign up and it all ran through that common platform and my concern always was if that platform fails closes or underperforms I don't have control of the individual accounts because it's all gone through their tool so I don't have access to the data in the future. Well, yeah, I mean, that, and that's and that's part of it too. You know, for Facebook, you essentially you have to run in the brand's account because that that brand account is is learning with Facebook's algorithms in the background, and so you 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 don't want a third party running your Facebook for you in their Facebook account. You want it on your account. But the flip, the other side of that is when someone's running in your account and they're just flicking you a bill. You, I mean, you don't have any idea what they paid for it. Right. You, I mean, you could assume there's a markup there because they're not working for free. But what is that markup? And that, sure. yep. that was the thing we wanted to eliminate. You know, in the early days, we, we would hear one of our competitors come in and and say, you know, hey, we'll we'll get you a 10 cent CPV. And maybe the agency would even dig in and say, well, what are you charging? They'd say 15 percent. And we'd come in and say, hey, you know. We're looking at your your ads manager account here, and and we think we can bring it in for four with our fifteen percent margin, and they would just be confused by that, you know. the The bottom line is, the other company wasn't charging fifteen percent; they were charging eighty percent, right? And so that's what started really making brands upset. And we just didn't want to be in that business, right? We wanted to just have a flat, fair margin that people could live with, and the performance needed to be there. So yeah, that totally totally makes sense. Yeah. So where where do you think the low hanging fruit is for our listeners that are listening in and going, okay, you know, I'm I'm spending all this money advertising. I'm either doing it myself or I've got an, an agency doing it. Where's the biggest opportunity that they're missing? I mean, you know, there are so many platforms and technologies and tools out there. I would say that the the one thing that I think people are missing the most is you know, let's call it a level of happiness right? You think you're getting, you're getting a good CAC, you're getting a good ROI from your ad spend. And maybe even you're happy with, you know, the provider that you're using. And, and so you stop testing. And, and you're like, well, we're good. You know, we, we've got a good partner here. I'm looking at your tool. It sounds good. It's going to be hard, too hard for us to test. It's not too hard to test. And you're in advertising. And so you need to be testing. You always need to be testing. And so I think that's the biggest opportunity. You need to get over the hurdle of we're good. It's all good. Everything's running good because we see stuff like that and we'll come in and drop their, drop their CACs by 50%, you know? And it's like, you took us six months to get here and you lost that six months of opportunity. I'm not saying we're the best one. Maybe we're, maybe, maybe I'm a, a little bit biased and, and I, I actually think that, but it's frustrating to watch a brand or, or, or even an agency sit in a tool set and think we got this, right? Yeah, we're always, we're always testing. I carve off a small piece of every budget to test against the baseline. And so I get the testing side. And, and I, what came to mind when you said, oh, we're good, is you're good until you're not good. So you're sitting in your comfort spot and then you get kicked out of the chair and then you have a problem because then you're scrambling trying to figure out what did I miss? What went wrong? You're playing catch up. I mean, and think about that. Like, I mean, there are opportunities out there where where you can literally lower your your CACs by fifteen 
to 50%, right? And still pay a third party to do it. And I think what's happening on the brand side is there a lot, is, is, is there just like, oh, you know, I tried this agency or I tried this tool and it didn't work and they get frustrated and they stop. And I just think that's a big mistake. You know, think about that from a bottom line perspective at the CEO, CFO level. And that's massive. So that's the that's the part I think is that that is the biggest opportunity in the space. If you're not really testing where your happiness level is, you're not going to know how happy you could be and or how happy you are. So. So what does that conversation sound like then? You know, I'm VP of marketing and uh, we're working with an agency and we've been working with the agency. So that relationship's not likely to change. Yeah. So what does that conversation look like with between me and the agency and me and my CFO? Yeah. Well, I think on the, on the CFO side, it's easy. It's, it's, Hey, you know, it's, Hey, look, I want to, I want to, I want to test something. You know, I want to have a, a test budget. Like you were saying, like I break off a little bit and test. I think on the agency side, they're, the brands in a lot of cases need to be telling their agencies that they want them to test. And, and what it looks like is I want you to bring me new ideas. And it's hard to bring a new idea if, if Google is running your, your YouTube ad campaign, right? Sure. It's hard to be like, well, you know, we're going to try a third party. Well, well, we're already working with the source. Like we're working with Google. Why, what, how would a third party do? You know, and then the conversation can end there. And so you, you gotta be able, you gotta be able to be willing to go to, to battle to get a test sometimes. And I, I don't, I don't think a lot of that is happening. It takes months and months to put a test up. You could literally take YouTube and split test in the same platform and watch it. You can't do that on Facebook. You actually have to make a little bit of a commitment, but on, on, on YouTube, it's, it's just, okay, you run $10,000 budget, you run five with them and five with them. And it's as simple. So, yep. you know, it, it's really weird, Doug. It's, it needs to be happening more. And I think that people are so busy, they don't want to go to bat or go to the battle. Yeah, I, I see so much in, in comments in terms of masterminds and various groups of, of people just trying to figure out how to get their ads to perform. And like you said, they don't have that transparency. They don't really know uh, what they're paying for a click so they can make an educated decision. And they may get the surprise when they change agencies to find out, hey, those guys were taking more margin than they said they were, but that's past history. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, and then you hear the horror stories, right? Well, we switched, we switched to another agency and, you know, they screwed everything up. Right. And so we found one, we're happy enough. We're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna we, rock we, the boat. Yeah. yeah we stop testing. Right. So. But the, I think the great news is, is because you're a third party, so you don't have a vested interest because you're, you're, you said your model is based on what they're spending. Yeah. But you, you don't have a vested interest in what platform they're spending. No. So, yeah, I mean, it's you're the, really the third party, like the police that, that, that actually provide the data. Like I've done that with email campaigns where I've got clients that are spending maybe, you know, 50 grand at a pop to do an email marketing campaign. And I'll go in and do the audit as the outside third party because I have no vested interest in what media they're buying. I'm just providing them the reporting and the analytics and the data to make sure that the agency they hired did the work they said and the and the publisher did what they promised to do. And that's it. I don't care what the numbers are. I just need to provide the right numbers. Right. And I think you're bringing up a good point too. I mean, that that measurement side, I think is really, 
it's 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 really lacking you know what we're seeing facebook will go take a lot of credit for a sale right and then you'll go back into your crm and you'll be like well you didn't that wasn't you you know in 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 the ads manager it says hey i made a bunch of these sales and then you settle up and i just i you know people need to make sure they're settling up you know one of the things that is taking a lot of budget out of YouTube and going into Facebook is Facebook looks like I'm getting this massive ROI, right? And YouTube is more of either awareness or it's it's used for mid-funnel to drive search results, branded keyword search results. And those are really inexpensive if you're doing it right. But if you haven't figured out how, you know, your YouTube campaign is driving up search queries and looking at those results, you may look at YouTube and just be like, this is just a waste of money, you know? And I, I think that you got to really spend a lot of time on that, that big picture. Well, that's interesting because I think of the sales cycle as people are buying and, and the way that the world has kind of changed for where I'm at in my buying cycle. Am I doing research? What platforms am I looking at to do research? And then where do I ultimately end up making that final click that takes credit for the sale? Yeah. And you miss all the data in between. So all you see is, hey, they clicked through my Facebook ad. So like you said, Facebook gets the credit. But what I missed was they were in consumer reports and they did a Google search and they watched some YouTube videos. Um, and they had all these other things that made the decision. It was finally the tipping point was I've made a decision. I like this brand. There was the ad boom. I clicked it and bought. Yeah. And I think that's why Google's changed DBM to DB360. I mean, they're really trying to show that multi-touch model and how how that awareness and then mid funnel and then search and you know the whole the whole picture facebook's kind of like crack right it's just up oh, got another sale up oh, got another sale up oh, got another sale so you know you just start heavy and up in there until you start seeing this massive diminishing return there so so um what's some of the bad advice you hear in the industry around what you do around what we do or just like what we hear from the platform providers and the education they're giving to the client either or or both the platform guys want to make this sound really easy right google wants to make it sound really simple to go and measure and use their ad manager and it's kind of like just put in what you want and we'll go make it happen and facebook's the same way and one of the things that Facebook is saying is just leave your budget the same every single day. And our algorithm will adjust and make sure that we're spending it the most efficient. What they're not telling you is, <laughs> yeah. And that's funny. Doug, this is happening yeah. at scale, massive scale. Yeah, trust me. Just leave me your credit card and I'll spend your money the best way that'll benefit you. Trust me. And, I, and I, I'm talking, you know, massive daily budgets. And so we'll go in and we'll analyze it and we'll be like, oh, you know, you're selling like five times more on Friday than you are on Monday. Like, why do you have the same budget on Monday? <laughs> you need to be having up big time on Friday and you need to lower significantly this budget on Monday. And then it's like, well, that's not what Facebook told us. And it's like, well, I don't care. It's what the data is telling you to do and you should go do that. So. 
Well, and that's the good news is the data speaking. I mean, that's the challenge with creative. We sit in a room of creatives and we come up with an idea of this is what the campaign should look like. And then like you said, to your point, we run multivariant testing and we find out that, you know, um, this headline with this image and this call to action and this design outperforms what we thought would work. But who cares what we thought? What matters is what's moving the sales dial. It's so hard to take yourself out of it, right? To use the word I when you're in that situation. <laughs> Well, here's what I think you have to, you can't use that word, you know, that, that you, you can't say I, you got to let the data tell you where to go. Well, we've had those conversations where we've sat in a room and their VP of marketing says, well, my, my clients aren't that sophisticated. They won't find me that way in search. We're saying, well, this isn't, we're not speculating. We're just sharing with you the results. Yeah, we're not speculating. And he's arguing. No, no, my clients aren't that smart. And I'm going like, this isn't a debate. This is, this is how they're finding it's you. It's in the data. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. in the data. We should do more here. And he's going, I totally disagree. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's hard to, it's really hard to win those battles too when you've got you know, what it sounds like someone who's got a, a really strong opinion about their customer. And, and you know, to get over that, you're just going to have to keep presenting them with the data, right? And until he comes over the line or maybe he switches jobs. Or we go back to, like you said, are we having fun? And if we're not having fun, then we move on. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's that, yeah, right. There's always those guys too, right? It's like, we're not having fun. So, you know. Yeah. So what, what are you most excited about in the space that you're in? I mean, AI and this whole world is, is changing and evolving so quickly. So what, you know, what keeps you up at night that you're so excited about? You know, I get really excited about um, this direct-to-consumer situation, right? We call it the DTC, the dollar shave, you know, the Gwyneth Paltrow's brand, Jessica Alba. I, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that where you're just direct to consumer. And I think that's really good for the consumer. And I think it's really good for entrepreneurs who want to start a business, right? I mean, try and imagine being a seat, having an idea for an energy drink or an energy bar or a, a makeup line or whatever, you know, 15 years ago. I mean, it, 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 it's impossible, right? Because the CPG companies that were already there had the entire supply chain and distribution chain locked up. Sure, and, absolutely. And now, you know, with, with marketing and with influence and with scientists, you can actually get a product that works well in the market to your audience. And I think that's really exciting. I mean, that, 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 that I'm sitting here staring at, you know, a bottle of bulletproof right on, on my, yeah. on my desk here, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you know, this is just a guy that, that, that came up with a, a, a better mouse trap and, and sold the, the crud out of it. And I, and I got, all the props in the world for that. That that's I think that's that's the American dream, and that's better. It's better for the economy and for the consumer to be able to be competitive with someone who's got an ad budget that's you know two billion dollars, right? And a supply chain that they've had for a hundred years. I, I love this. So I'm excited. I'm super excited about that. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that there's probably never been a better time in the history of the world to start a company. So I think I would be more afraid if I was a major brand than being an entrepreneur launching a new product. So the major brand is set in this ways. They've got the legacy systems. They've got all the hierarchy. They're slow to move. They're slow to innovate. And, you know, somebody new can come up and just eat your lunch and you won't even know what's going on. And, and they're buying in. You know, those brands are buying into, you know, these marketing guru, entrepreneur, DTC guys, you know, Unilever bought Dollar Shave. Yep. You know, and and they're in, I mean, look what, look what Gillette's doing, right? I mean, let's be honest, buying a razor, they, they locked them. (laughs) <laughs> the store, <laughs> you know, you know, we've got a, a razor that's, yeah. that's behind a, a door that someone needs to unlock that thing you can make in China for, for next to nothing. And it's locked behind a thing. And now you've got Harry's and Dollar Shave and there'll be more. And, you know, I, honestly, like, I think that's what's keeping inflation under control on the product side. So, I agree with you, Doug. This is a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. So moving forward, you know, is there anything that you uh, can share kind of what your your vision is to next steps in your company? Uh, Obviously, we're not looking for you to give away your trade secrets, but, you know, um, you guys have been growing at a a crazy fast rate um, and getting all sorts of recognition for that. So, you know, where are you going next? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have a, a group of entrepreneurs within the company, right? And one of the things that we do is we we talk to other entrepreneurs every day. And 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 we do that to sort of get out what 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 ends up happening is you get so into your thing that it's really hard to keep your head up. And and so I like to have what I call a little team of people that has their head up. And and so we look at a, we look at a lot of things. I can't share specifically where 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 we're going, but we are very interested in this DTC side of things, and and we already know that we perform really well on the advertising side. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see us explore that more from a partnership level. Instead of just hey, you know, maybe you should choose us to to do this for you, uh, run the ads. Yep. Yeah. That makes totally makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I just talked to somebody who's that's their whole business model now is they've given up on uh, marking up the ads. Yeah. And they're doing just strictly percentage of sales. Oh, yeah. They're going, we're so good. We know we're good. Um, we're happy to work with you. We're not going to mark up the ads, but we want X percentage of sales. And he said, you know, their business income's gone up by tenfold. Yeah. And, that, and that's been around for a while, right? That's kind of like yep. affiliate type marketing. Yeah, I I think I'm more on the on the hey, what can we own together kind of thing. So That's really cool. You know what I mean? Yep. Now, I, I, off air, I'm going to introduce you to somebody I think that uh, you'd uh, you'd really enjoy because he's in a, a similar space, but just uh, just in the social side. So, okay. yeah, I just I just talked to a guest uh, recently in my podcast that's doing AI for CRM. Oh wow, that's really interesting. 
just blew my mind. It's like, what do you mean I don't have to log into the CRM system? Well, it says it listens to your phone conversations, your email and all your interactions. And based on the conversation, it starts to build intelligence on your sales funnel, your sales cycle. And then it sends you reminders like, hey, Doug, you know, you should talk to Patrick today. Have you have you been watching what's going on with, are you a Gmail user? Yep, I am. I mean, they're writing <laughs> the complete sentence. <laughs> I know. I love it. I know. I mean, that, you know, all that does is, you know, the world has turned into, you got to do more for less. And that's full circle on this AI stuff, right? We, we have to do that. I have to have a machine that outperforms the people that were doing it when we started in 2013. I have to have that. Otherwise, my business is not going to be future proof. And so, you know, you look at, Google and, you know, this guy with the AI CRM, I need to be more efficient. I have to be personally more efficient with my time and my day because I got a lot to accomplish. And if I'm not, and so I love that stuff. I live in that stuff. I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, so do I. I'm just amazed every day I log into Google and I see new stuff coming up. So I've got the the three choices at the bottom based on my conversation that I could auto reply to, you know, sure, I'd be happy to or will do thanks or haven't heard anything yet. Um, so it's you're right. It's using some intelligence. But to your point, it's not reducing my my team. Like I'm not laying people off because AI is helping to fill in the blanks. It's giving me more time to spend having conversations like you and I are having, which is a lot higher value than me typing out a whole email. Right. Exactly. You're, 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 you hit it right on the head. I've got to get more. I've got to get more done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the, you know, the, the whole intention of the invention of the computer. I think that, you know, I'm older. So back in the day, you know, you'd get a computer and you're like, am I really accomplishing things faster? <laughs> you know, you know, with this thing's crashing and I got to reboot it and turn it on. And, you know, it's, it's, now they're, you know, with the cloud and everything else, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited about what's going to happen in the future of just my own personal productivity. So, yeah, I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan and the four hour work week uh, book kind of wrecked my mind uh, when it first came out. And so I'm thinking, wow, how cool is that now that I can operate my business almost 100 percent on my mobile phone, which means I can be anywhere in the world and I don't need to be in an office and I can do everything with a handheld device. Are you on a four-hour work week? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. No. I, I mean, I just can't even get past the title. I've I've seen Ferris on on YouTube and 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 do a body hacking stuff, and I, I you know I'm on like an eighteen-hour you know day. So I. <laughs> I think that the title is is definitely clickbait, but I, I think what, what it did is it it, it, it kind of leveraged the idea of the old school. So, you know, if we compare where your business is today with AI and you look at the way the world thinks, hey, get a good education. Like I've got three kids, I've got grandkids now. So get a good education, go to school, get a job for 40 years and you'll have a nice pension. Yeah. Well, well that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so his book really just pointed out, I think that you don't need to be chained to your desk in a physical office at your employer's beckoning for 40 years. If you can get your work done in four hours a day or five hours a day, like I don't work as many hours as I used to because I fit the gym into my day. I don't fit it in. It's in my schedule. So I'm two hours a day by the time I commute, get to the gym, get home um, and get back to work. So, so big deal. 
working in a traditional sense didn't work. So you're right. I mean, the, I don't think there's anyone, including him, working four hours. <laughs> if he's working four hours a day, that guy's accomplishing a lot because people talk about him all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense. I totally get that. And 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 I did a lot of that when I was at Microsoft with a smartphone. You know, I I you know it it is it's really nice to be able to to have the kind of power in your hand that 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 you have access to and you can get a lot done doing that. I'm more excited about autofilling my emails right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to make sure, just make sure you send Google a note and say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, let's drill down specifically on to your platform and your solution. So, I just want to make sure that I understand our listeners get, you know, what your offering is. So, Tell me exactly before I screw it up what it is that we're that we're buying into. Yeah, so for YouTube, what we've done is we've taken that over to the DB360 part of of YouTube. So we've taken it mostly out of AdWords, and we have some clients that are still legacy that use AdWords, and we built an essentially a self serve platform that will automatically plan with just a few inputs your media. And then it will build that really extensive multivariant testing strategy. So to give you an idea, if we were doing it by hand, maybe we set up 40 to 100 strategies. We're using the machine, I've seen it spit out as much as 6,000 strategies. So when you're talking about a strategy, each strategy has, you know, an age group, a demo, a keyword, a target, an interest, whatever, each one separately of that. And then it's got a budget. And so when you start talking about, you know, managing several hundred to thousands of strategies, each strategy has a budget. And so we make a call into DB360. We build the plan after you put it, give us a few inputs, we build a very extensive plan. We, we put that plan into DV and then we call DV360 two times a day. And it's going to come back and say, hey, this is what's working. This is what isn't working. And it's going to re-adjust that plan, turn, turn those things on and off, refactor all the budgets and offer you know, some new strategies. And so maybe that 6,000 goes down to 3,000 and it just keeps going and going and going. And so we'll do... On one campaign that I saw last week, we did 6,600 optimizations on a two-week campaign that was $50,000 on YouTube. It's just humanly unattainable, right? You just couldn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible. You couldn't do it. You could not yeah. possibly do that. And I don't think even Elon Musk could do that. You could not do it. It, yeah. You're talking about moving a few dollars into one and out of another. You know, it's just you would screw it up so bad, and 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 so that's what we did, and that that was to sort of move that bar again to we're seeing you know in some cases seventy percent to forty five percent savings with our fees. You know, we did it again. You know, we came in the market, we were about that. And and then and then people started to kind of like catch on a little bit and then and then we did it again. So that's where we're at on on YouTube. Completely self-serve. You gotta have a DB three sixty seat. On 
on the Facebook and the other social platforms, it's, it's more like audience mapping. So let's say you're in, uh, we would go analyze your account. We'd look at what audiences you're using and we would suggest similar audiences and we would add those strategies into your Facebook account, but that's a more manual process. We haven't completely automated the, the Facebook feature of the of the platform and that works across all social so we can do that on snap and pinterest and linkedin and twitter and and facebook all the major platforms for audience mapping and then on the last thing i think we talked about this earlier there's a lot of creative swapping on facebook and so we have some creative exhaustion tools that will say hey uh you know this audience is not responding to this ad because they're exhausted from seeing it so you got to swap it so so Let's move on to the most important things. Where can people track you down and find you? Strikesocial.com. I'm then Patrick McKenna on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, I got a Twitter account and, you know, all those places. But we got a really great Drift bot. Um, I like those guys a lot. If you're not using that, that's a good one. And you can reach me right there on the website. Excellent. Yeah. Who's one guest I've got to have on my podcast? You know what? I, I've, I've had a lot of experience working with this guy. His name's Dylan Conroy. He's at a company called Social Standard, and they do influencer marketing. And the guy's just a consummate professional. He's got his own podcast. I think you two would have a good time kind of interviewing each other. Okay. Well, excellent. Yeah. Really appreciate your time. I mean, this stuff is, um, I'm so excited about it. Um, I live in it. I know our listeners, I know you guys don't all live in this space, but I'm always looking for what's new and how can I move the sales dial? And this is where we're moving with our clients because this is what's moving the sales dial and, and working, like you said, optimizing the budget. I mean, people have less, you know, you know, a lot of cases, less budget to spend um, and they want to get the best results. So I would suggest head over to uh, Patrick's site, go take a look at their website, sign up, make sure you sign up to their newsletter on Strike Social. So thanks, Patrick, for taking the time. Doug, thanks for having me. It's been great. There you go, listeners. There's another episode. Hopefully we've stretched your mind. We've given you some new ideas you can take back to your boss or to your marketing team and have a look. And I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.